The word says we're called to make disciples. We're growing in the word of God. Jesus Christ was sent to be our saviour. This is the Bromley Town Church Podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message, blessing you as you live out God's word. Stream or download other sermon podcasts via the Bromley Town Church website or by using the SoundCloud app. Head over to BromleyTownChurch.com. The power of the cross is this. The cross is the place where sin is dealt with once and for all. The cross is the place where sin is dealt with once and for all. And that is the power that sin is actually conquered at the cross. And last week we were looking particularly at some of the characteristics of sin. The fact that sin comes into our lives, it has an effect upon us. What are those effects that it can have upon us? And we looked at four of them. The fact that sin separates. The fact that sin hardens. The fact that sin enslaves. The fact that sin deceives. And each of those things can affect our relationship with God. Indeed, those things can have such an effect upon our, on our lives that actually it can even get to the point where we can even say, well, well, where is God or is there a God? Because it has a hardening, disabilitating effect, deceiving effect upon our hearts. And we try to then manage life in our own resourcefulness, which doesn't really work. So we want to see this veil uh, that is over our lives being torn away, and God is the one who has done that for us. And the cross is the power that does that for us. Certainly, as I say, the things that sin does in our lives, it, it creates this, like, this barrier over us and uh, sets before us all sorts of problems. We know that the wages of sin, the very fact of us sinning, the wages of sin, the results of sin is death. And that God himself has said in Isaiah 13, 11, I will punish the world for its evil, the wicked for their sins. So sin has got to be dealt with. Otherwise, everyone is facing destruction because the Bible teaches that every one of us has sinned. And we have all fallen short of the life that God has set out for us to live. So with the knowledge of sin's characteristics and the fact that we are facing an eternal separation from God, today we're going to look at the work of the cross and how the work of the cross helps us, how the work of the cross releases the power of God in our lives. And whilst there's a sense of heaviness when we realize the burden of sin, when we come to look at what the cross has done, we see that this is the work of God in defeating the power of sin and bringing mankind who is estranged from him back into a right relationship with him. The cross has happened because God himself didn't want anyone to perish and to suffer the consequences of sin, but he wanted to redeem a people for himself. 2 Peter 3 verse 9 says this, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some of you understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. God acted when mankind was still under the deception and darkness that sin causes. You see, it says this, Romans 5 verses 6 and 8. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, 
Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Know this, God hates sin. God must punish sin. And that punishment is an eternal separation from God in hell. That's the result of sin in our lives. And horrendous though that punishment is, God himself has acted on our behalf through the cross. And that's the place where his power is released. That power which enables us to have reconciliation, to be brought back to him. Certainly to everyone who turns to him, that power is available to you. So today we're going to look at what happened at the cross, the work of the cross. And it's at the cross where God acted to help the human race by sending his one and only son to save mankind by going to the cross. I want to take you back right now to the 31st of July, 1941. We're going back to a place called Cell Block 14, and we find ourselves in Auschwitz concentration camp. An alarm bell has just rung out as it's been discovered that a prisoner has escaped. And as a reprisal, the Gestapo are now gathering up all the people of Cell Block 14 and they are selecting 10 men at random, and these men are going to be sent to the starvation bunker. They gather seven, eight. Now they gather the ninth person, and the ninth man to be selected was a man called Francis Govonovich. When he was selected, he cried out, Oh, my poor wife, my poor children, they will never see me again. At that moment... A small man with wire-framed glasses and a cap walked forward. He said, I am a Catholic priest. I don't have a wife or children. I want to die instead of that man. At that moment, to everybody's surprise, his offer was accepted. And the name of the man that stood forward was Maximilian Colby. He was 47 years old. And along with the other nine men, he was taken to the starvation bunker. Maximilian was an amazing man. He got the men there in the starvation bunker to pray and to sing hymns. And he created a godly atmosphere while they were in there. However, just two weeks later, on the 14th of August, the bunker was needed. And so Maximilian, along with the other men, were killed by being given a lethal injection of carbolic acid. 41 years later, on the 10th of October, 1982, the death of that man, Maximilian Colby, was put in its proper perspective. In St. Peter's Square in Rome, in a crowd of 150,000 people, 26 cardinals, 300 bishops, archbishops, there was Francis Govonovich. The Pope described the death of Maximilian Kolbe in these terms. He said it was a victory like that won by our Lord Jesus Christ.
because Maximilian Kolbe had died in the place of someone else. Eventually, at the age of 93, Francis Govonovich himself died. And in his obituary, it said that he had spent the rest of his life going around the world, telling others of what Maximilian Kolbe had done for him because he had died in Francis's place. If we want to understand the work of the cross, this story helps us to understand exactly what Jesus did for us. Jesus came to the cross to die instead of you. The pain that Jesus experienced was not just the physical sufferings of the cross, but Jesus also experienced the spiritual suffering too, as he took upon himself all of our guilt, all of our sin, all of our shame that went upon himself. Paul writes this in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. There on the cross, Jesus died for my guilt, for my sin, for your guilt and for your sin so that we might be made right with God. The power of the cross is that it has the power to deal with sin and guilt and shame for all time. We saw last week, as I've mentioned, it, sin itself separates. Sin enslaves. Sin hardens the heart and sin deceives. But let's just look at some of the characteristics of the power of the cross and what it does against those things. I'm going to go through four of them quickly this morning. The work of the cross is this. The cross reconciles. The cross reconciles. Whereas sin separated, the cross brings us back together. It reconciles us to God. That's what the word reconcile means. It means to settle a dispute, to settle a disagreement, to bring into agreement, to bring into harmony that which wasn't in harmony before. And where sin had separated, there'd been the barrier that had been caused, that barrier that was between us and God, that separation that was there, where there seemed to be no hope, where there was no getting through that barrier, the heart of God was deeply moved and God acted to save us. Romans 5 verses 9 and 10 says this, Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life. And Paul goes on to say to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5, 18 and 19, and all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, 
reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. Separation has the understanding about it of estrangement. Separation, just like the chairs in here, we feel it. We are estranged from one another. We want to be born. The masks, they separate us. The language is no longer clear. We want to rip these things off. It is a veil that covers our faces. It's a frustration, a barrier. It's like you get outside and you take that mask off and you're suddenly breathing free air again. You feel liberated. Listen, this is what the cross has done. It's removed the separation and it has brought us into reconciliation. If you remember when I started this sermon, I talked about the fact that when Jesus died, the veil, that, that curtain that was separating the holy place from the most holy place in the temple, it was ripped in two, right from the top to the bottom. It wasn't something done by man. This was something done by God because God wanted to rip it open to say, listen, there is now no separation. What I have accomplished on the cross means that you have the right to come to me. Separation is broken because the cross reconciles. The cross reconciles, and secondly, the cross releases. Whereas we said that sin brings enslavement, so there's chains that come upon us, there's a feeling that we're under a master who is directing us, and Jesus said this, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave of sin. We have a master, the enemy, Satan, who is directing us, who's literally sitting on our shoulder, as it were, speaking to us, directing us. We become enslaved to his commands. We're a slave to that master. But Jesus went on to say this, but if the Son sets you free, you are truly free. If the Son sets you free, you are truly free. There is a sense in which we were captive to our sin. You can't shake it off. You can't get away from it. It's always haunting you. It's always following you around. It's always speaking those same things into your ear. It's always directing you in the way that it wants you to go. We were captive to sin. But because of the cross, the chains of our hands have been taken off and we have been set free. We are freed by the power of the cross. Paul says this in Colossians 2, verses 13 and 14. You were dead because of your sins. Because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. He cancelled the record of the charges against us. You know, it's like there's a book... And in the book, right, okay, I re hey, I remember, when, I remember when you did that. I remember when you did this. It's recorded. And you know what Jesus does? He comes and he tears the book up. He tears it up. The record is no longer kept. The charges against us has been taken away, nailing it to the cross. Sin brings slavery, but the cross brings freedom. The cross reconciles, the cross releases, 
The cross renews. Sin caused our hearts to become hardened. Paul says this, If any man be in Christ, he is a new a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. Or if I read that in the New Living Translation, it says this. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. The new life has begun. We look to the fact that sin hardens our hearts. They become calloused. Our hearts are no longer as responsive towards God. Our hearts have become separated from God. There's a distance between us. Our hearts feel disconnected from Him. But you see, now because of Christ, we have become new creations. It's like, whoa, the old heart is taken away. The heart of stone is removed. That's why we talk about being born again. We're going back to the beginning. It's like we're being renewed. Now, we know it's not that we physically get born again, but there is a spiritual rebirth. And therefore, the hardness of the heart is taken away. This is what Ezekiel says. Ezekiel 36, 25 to 27. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. Your filth will be washed away. You will no longer worship idols. And I will give you a new heart. And I will put a new spirit in you. And I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. A hard heart resists. A hard heart is stubborn. A hard heart is calloused. But the work of the cross is a work of renewal. We get spiritually born again and our hearts, which have become hardened like stone, are removed and we are given a heart of flesh. The cross reconciles. The cross releases. The cross renews. And the cross brings truth. Whereas sin deceives, you know, sin promises much but it doesn't quite deliver what we're expecting. Or it delivered it, but suddenly there's a lot of accompaniments with it which we don't want. Sin deceives us. And it brings us into things that we don't really want to happen to us. Jesus came on the cross not only bringing truth, but declaring that He is truth. John 14, 6, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The problem with deception is this. You don't really know you are being deceived when you're in its grip. That's the problem with it. You've heard something, you receive it, you take it on board, and you think you're walking right. You don't know that you could be walking in deception. The only way that we find out that we were deceived is when there is a plumb line of truth brought against us so that we can measure. It's just the same as a builder. A builder is building a wall or building anything in your home and they know that they don't want to have it put up like this. You don't want a, a set of wardrobes that are slanting at a 45 degree angle. You want it accurate. And so the builder uses a spirit level to make sure that everything is according to what is true that that is straight, that the shelf you've put up isn't angled like that, it is actually on the right level, that the wall he's building or the house he's building is marked to true with the spirit level. 
you see there is the application of a measurement that is true to see what is corrupt and out of line. And that's how we deal with deception. We deal with deception by coming into alignment with the truth. Jesus came to reveal the truth. And this is the truth, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But it's also true to say this, that all are justified, made right with God by His grace through the redemption that came through Jesus Christ. And you know what? The Apostle John described Jesus in these words. John 1 verse 14. He said, The the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us, and we have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. If you want truth to hold up against any deception that you feel you might be under, then you need to get hold of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. That's what he declared himself to be. And you know what? When he returned to heaven, it wasn't the truth went. He said, I'm going away from you, but I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to be your helper. The Holy Spirit's function is to guide us into all truth, to be the spirit measure, as it were, in our lives. Truth is something that delivers exactly what it promises. Jesus came to bring salvation from sin. And that is exactly what he accomplished. The cross reconciles. The cross releases. The cross renews. The cross brings truth. The work of the cross was to restore all the damage that had been caused by sin. Jesus, God's only Son, came into the world to die on that cross, the perfect sacrifice to pay the price for all of our sin so that we might be fully restored in our relationship with God. It is only at the cross that the power of Satan and all of his forces of evil are conquered. It's only at the cross where relationship with God is fully restored. It's only at the cross where our guilt, our shame is taken away. It's only at the cross that we are made whole. You remember in the first of this series we talked about the cross. The cross, the crux of the matter. Because the cross is at the center of everything. The cross is important Because it's the power of God being released and it's the place where we can be made completely new. There's an old hymn which many of you will probably know, maybe you've sung at school or something like that. It's like a school type of hymn. There is a green hill far away. And verses 4 and 5 read like this. There was no other good enough to pay the price of sin. He only could unlock the gate of heaven and let us in. Oh, dearly, dearly has he loved, and we must love him too, and trust in his redeeming blood, and try his work to do. We've come here this morning to talk about the work of the cross. The work of the cross is effective for all of our lives, no matter how old or young we are, 
no matter the color of our skin, no matter the circumstances that we face in life, it is only at the cross that we find the power of God to set us free and to give us the strength to live for Him day by day. Thank you for listening to this message from Bromley Town Church. You are always welcome to visit us on a Sunday morning or join us again for more messages here online. You can also stay connected with us at www.bromleytownchurch.com.